podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. Except that today, we're going to begin by not focusing on Liverpool FC to try and avoid some of the rage that you may have noticed in the last couple of days. What we are going to focus on is the potential for brilliance, the potential for a magnificent storyline, the potential for the return of your favourite niche segment in any podcast going. We could have the return of Pulis Watch. Stoke City have fired Michael O'Neill this morning, leaving them in need of a new manager. And who better than the former two-time Stoke City manager, Tony Pulis, to return to the helm. He's only 64. He's just coming into the prime of life. He's been out of work since leaving Sheffield Wednesday in December of 2020. He's well rested. The man has been walking around naked since then because he doesn't own any clothes that aren't club branded. It is time to give Tony a new tracksuit. He oversaw things from November 2002 to June of 2005. Then he went back in June 2006 and he was there till May 2013. Seven years of greatness in that second run. Seven years of the most magnificent agricultural football you could ever hope to witness. Seven years of everybody in the team being over six foot two. It has to happen. Pullback. Hashtag pullback. P-U-L-B-A-C-K. It's the successor to Pogback. It's similarly shit, but it doesn't have as big a budget, basically. Adidas are not sponsoring this deal. I don't even know who makes the Stoke City kit at the minute. Um, God, I genuinely don't know. Who makes the kit? Here we go. Sponsorship. Oh, made by Macron. With sponsorship by Bet365, which I think is the company that actually owns Stoke, the family that owned them. Either way, they can throw in a few quid. Low-end production, because Tony wouldn't like anything fancy or flash. Myself and Guy will take care of it all. And then we will inflict our fetish of Tony Pulis onto Carl Matchett once again. You know you want to see it. Don't deny it anymore. I see you sitting there thinking, I don't want to see it. I know you want it. Everybody wants to see Tony Pulis 
back at Stoke. Who would not want to see? Who can you think of that's a better fit for Stoke and everything you think of Stoke than Tony? There's nobody. There's nobody. Let's make this happen. Hashtag pullback. Capital P, lowercase u, lowercase l. Capital B, lowercase A-C-K. Let's get that trending on Twitter because it has to happen. Stoke fans will be horrified that I'm doing this. Anyway, they'll never know. Don't tell them. Right, let's move on to something else amusing. There is a notion going around that Monday night proved that Lissandro Martinez can play as a central defender in the Premier League. So the other night I saw a tweet that said that Lissandro Martinez won more aerial duels in the United-Liverpool game than Virgil van Dijk. And when I checked that, I realised van Dijk won four of four, and that was more than what Martinez won. Then I saw a tweet this morning to suggest that Lissandro Martinez has not yet lost an aerial duel in the Premier League. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Because his manager hauled him off against Brentford at half time, and he was poor against Brighton. And I know this because I watched both games. And then I thought, he has to have lost Ariel Jules because he was standing next to Salah when Salah scored his goal. He was standing next to Ben Mee when Ben Mee, who was basically sitting down, scored his goal. So I went and I looked. And I use SofaScore because it's just handy to pull up stats like that. Against Brighton, Lissandro Martinez did not lose an aerial duel. The reason he didn't lose one is because he didn't contest a single aerial duel. Did not contest a single aerial duel. So I checked the Brentford game. And I thought, well, he's definitely lost the one to Ben Mee. But I was wrong. He hasn't lost an aerial duel against Brentford. And the reason is he didn't contest a single one. Not one. The Ben Mee one doesn't count because he made no attempt to play the ball. He just let a sitting down Ben Mee head the ball in from a yard out. So in two Premier League games, he hadn't contested a single aerial duel. So I looked at the third game, which was against us. He wasn't credited with an aerial duel for the Salah goal because, again, he did not attempt to win the ball. He just stood there. He did, however, contest one aerial duel in that game, bringing him, in case your maths isn't great, bringing him to a grand total of one aerial duel in three appearances. Some 230 minutes across the three games. One aerial duel. And he lost it. So if you're on social media and you see United fans or whoever saying that Lissandra Martinez is yet to lose an aerial duel, Please do me the favour and correct these morons. 
he is yet to win an aerial duel. And he has only contested one while allowing two goals to be scored in his area within a yard of him by simply not contesting them. The standards are through the floor. This is Manchester United. This is a club that over the last 40 years had Paul McGrath, one of the greatest centre-backs of all time, Gary Pallister, one of the best English centre-backs ever, Yap Stam, who before Virgil might have been the best centre-back the Premier League had ever seen, and Nemanja Vidic, who for a period of time was the best centre-back, not just in the Premier League, but arguably in the world. They also had Rio Ferdinand, who they like to greatly overrate. But, you know, they've seen good centre-backs at Old Trafford. Imagine if Virgil had a game where he didn't contest an aerial duel and was beaten for a header that he just didn't bother his backside jumping for. Or was beaten by a fellow who was sitting down. We'd be livid. Absolutely livid. It wouldn't matter how many times he'd thrown himself on the ground. Magnificent stuff. Magnificent stuff. That's cheered me up. The combination of Martinez, or Weeman, as I've taken to calling him, not winning an aerial duel in three games because he only contested one. And Tony Pulis potentially, potentially giving us back what we so desperately need. Pulis watch. We did consider running with his son, uh, Anthony Pulis, who's obviously a manager in his own right, uh, the coach of Miami FC in the USL Championship. But then we just couldn't be arsed because it was a bit too obscure. If it was MLS, we might have we might have dug into that one, but it's not, so we're not going to. Um, yeah. Other things currently amusing me. Anthony Gordon potentially going to Chelsea for a fee in the region of 60 million. There's many things about this that amuse me. Number one, Gordon having the unmitigated goal, the temerity to ask to leave the club because he wants to play Champions League football, because he thinks he'll have a better chance of getting in the England squad. How are you going to get in the England squad if you're not playing? You're going to be sat on the bench because you're not very good. And play in the Champions League? Understand your level, Anthony Gordon. Understand what you are as a player. You are a bottom end of the Premier League player. You have four career goals. Four. And shall we break down those four goals? I think we will. The first goal is a shot from the edge of the box that takes an enormous deflection and goes in. The shot was going to be saved. The second goal is a shot from the edge of the box, which also took an enormous deflection. The third goal, there was a cross played into him 
He missed his kick. It rebounded off somebody, hit him in the kneecap, and went in. It may have even taken another deflection off a defender on the way. And the fourth goal was a Richarlison shot that he was trying to get out of the way of, and it clipped his heel. He knew nothing about it and had, again, the unmitigated goal and temerity to claim the goal. So of his four goals, one was a complete accident that he knew nothing about. Another may also have been an accident or an own goal. And the other two were own goals put into their own net by opposition defenders. These are the four goals that Anthony Gordon has accumulated in his career to date. Now, it will be one thing if Anthony Gordon was 18, because if he was 18 and you were seeing what we've seen from him, you'd be like, okay, fair enough. But he's 21. He made his Premier League debut in the 1920 season. He made his Everton debut in the 1718 season. He spent a half season on loan at Preston. In his career, he's made 74 appearances and scored four goals. And all of them, all of them should have been credited to somebody else. Bar the one that might have hit his kneecap last. Chelsea being willing to pay so much money for this is incredible. I can only assume that they think he could play as a wing-back, as a backup to Reese James. Because why else would you do this? Like, what's he actually good at? He's got good pace. That's not a footballing attribute. That's a physical attribute. He's not a particularly good passer of the ball. His dribbling is pace-orientated rather than skill-orientated. He just knocks it past people and runs with it. He does have good close control. I'll give him that. He's not a particularly great crosser of the ball. He doesn't appear to have a particularly good shot on him. Like, I'm really not sure what it is that he does well. Like, to the level where you'd pay this type of money for him. In his career, he has three Premier League assists, two FA Cup assists, and three EFL Cup assists. So on top of his four goals, he has eight assists. 60 million. And it's 8,000 and probably four or 500 minutes as well. Like it's a lot of minutes. It's about two seasons worth in total. Now, let's be fair. Some of those minutes, lower league. But if we take out what's not senior football at United or Preston, at Everton or Preston, it's probably it's probably 5,500 minutes. Maybe 5,000. Four goals and eight assists for 60 million? 
The only thing more ridiculous than that will be United paying €100 million Euro for Anthony, who's a €35 million pound player, which is about, what, €43 million? Euro? Absolutely absurd. The, the price for wingers right now is ridiculous. You'd be very thankful that we went and got Diaz when we got him. I think Spurs are very thankful they got Kulosevsky when they got him. What price would those two be right now in a world where Gordon and Anthony are going for such ridiculous money? On This is Anfield, the lead story is entitled A Hangover, Yes, A Crisis, Not Yet. Liverpool must act quickly to avoid one. Uh, there's a piece entitled Liverpool and 4-2-3-1, The Pros and Cons of Formation Change. The biggest con with changing to 4-2-3-1 right now is we don't have a second central midfielder that you could play next to Fabinho unless you want to play a 17-year-old. So that's a bit of an issue. It's an easily solved issue. There's loads of players available that you could just go and buy. But, you know, Liverpool think that they're cleverer than everybody else. So they've got a long-term plan. What that means, I don't know. Because we were told two years ago that last summer was going to be a summer of sizable investment and we bought one player. We did buy Diaz in January because we were desperate and we needed him. And we were then told that this summer was the summer where the midfield was going to get completely reshaped. And then Jürgen dug his heels in and now that's going to have to wait as well. Mo Chatra had an incredibly good tread up on social media yesterday. You'll find it at Mo Chatra, where he basically broke down our spending. And the thing is, Jürgen is to blame for this summer, but FSG are more than happy that he's not willing to spend, that he doesn't want to buy or whatever, because they're always happy to not spend. And Mo breaks it all down. I would um, encourage you all to go and read Mo's detailed thread, which is really good analysis. Uh, but basically, I think over the last four years, we've spent 2% of our turnover on transfers. 2%. We bring in 500 million a year. Just think about that for a second. Just think about how ludicrous that is. Anyway. Champions League draw is today. Who can Liverpool face? I really want Celtic. I have to say, I really want Celtic. I'd like Rangers just so we could smack the life out of them. But I really want Celtic. So we are in pot two along with Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, RB Leipzig and Spurs. So we can't draw any of them. In pot A, there is Real Madrid, Eintracht Frankfurt, AC Milan, Bayern Munich, PSG, Porto and Ajax and Man City. We can't draw Man City, obviously. I would very happily take any of the rest. I'd like Milan again, just because it's Milan. Um... Or Ajax, because it's Ajax. The easiest one is Eintracht or Porto, but Porto's a bit boring now. Eintracht could be fun. In fact, Frankfurt's a great city, so it would be a good away for people that would be going to it. Um, 
But I, I, AC would be good. Then in pot three, it's Dortmund, Salzburg, Shakhtar, Inter, Napoli, Sporting, Bayer Leverkusen, and Benfica. Uh, I'd love Sporting out of that one because we haven't had them before in the Champions League, or not at least not recently. Uh, and Klopp might get an upfront look at Manuel Ugarte, who's a really good midfielder that you know would fit and solve our problems for us. Or Leverkusen, um, because they're a lot of fun and there's a lot of good players in that team. And again, Ezekiel Palacios. And if he's back in time, Florian Wirtz would be really good to get a good look at. Uh, or Benfica, again, because Enzo Fernandez could maybe make Klopp fall in love. Dortmund is probably what Klopp would like because of the, the connection. Um, and then in group or pot four, it's Marseille, Club Bruges, Celtic, Victoria Plisson, Maccabee Haifa, Rangers, FC Copenhagen, and Dinamo Zagreb. Celtic would be the preference there, for me anyway. Um, though if we got Copenhagen, we could get a good look at uh, our former goalkeeper, Camille Grabara, if he's back from injury. But give me Celtic, give me, you know, give me Benfica and make Klopp watch Enzo Fernandez twice because I think he will want him after that. And Milan. Yeah. Milan, Benfica and Celtic. That'd be a great group for the historians. European royalty in that group. The first British team to ever win the European Cup, consisting entirely of a team born within the Glasgow region. Benfica, obviously, incredible European history, dating back to the days of Eusebio. They were, of course, the team that lost to Manchester United when United became the first English team to win the European Cup. But they are two-time winners in their own rights in 61 and 62. There's also also the fact that it would be good for Darwin to get the opportunity to to go back and revisit and and show off what he's he's capable of. And then you have AC Milan, seven-time winners and one of the truly great clubs in world football, a club that are to be admired for many, many reasons. Another opportunity for people to go and visit the San Siro if you didn't get to go last year. Yeah, that, that group would do me nicely. I think it's three good aways, one of which is not going to be cost prohibitive to Celtic, up to Glasgow. Always a good night out. And then you get Lisbon, you get you get Milan. Two great stadiums as well. Uh, three great stadiums, I should say. Three great stadiums. Atmospheres will be unbelievable, especially up at Celtic. Like that's probably the best atmosphere in Europe, is Celtic on a big European night, even, even above Anfield. Yeah, that's what I want. They're the three teams I want, so we'll get none of them. 
Um, the draw is actually later on today, like I said. Um, how are we skint, Liverpool fans, frustrated by clubs' baffling lack of spending? We're not skint. We're just not skint at all. We have money. Clap won't spend it. Liverpool to play Derby County in the League Cup third round. Liverpool's defence of the League Cup will begin with a third round clash against Derby County. The draw was made last night and the clubs who are in Europe joined the 25 second round winners in the next stage of the competition. The game will be at home. Uh, Derby knocked out West Brom to advance, so uh, they'll be thrilled, I think, by this draw. First time Liverpool have played Derby since 2016. Obviously, Derby have gone through a horrible time since. Uh, looks like the games will be played in the week commencing November 7th. Um, but obviously, because the schedule is so bizarre this year because of the World Cup and having to rush in the Champions League games earlier in the season. Normally, this game would be played in September, but now we have to wait for November. Uh, I do wonder if Jürgen might just bin it off this year because of how tight the schedule is. Uh, other interesting draws in the um, in the third round. Uh, Wolves versus Leeds. Forest versus Tottenham. United versus Villa. They played last year in one of the Cups and Gerrard gets a chance to go and inflict some pain on them. Everton away to Bournemouth. Man City, Chelsea. So one of them is going out, which is good. Uh, Newcastle Palace and Arsenal versus Brighton. So, yeah, fairly strong draw. Um, Roberto Firmino and Darwin Nunes gave Luis Diaz a tricky task as Liverpool attack changes. Liverpool should repeat Luis Diaz, Luis, Luis Diaz hijack as 42 million Philippe Coutinho-like transfer chance arises. I assume this is um, Lucas Paqueta. It is. Uh, he's going to West Ham, so congrats to them. Liverpool ready £60 million Frankie de Jong offer as Jurgen Klopp wants £40 million Atletico Madrid transfer too. Um, the Atletico Madrid transfer will be Marcus Llorente, scorer of two goals against Liverpool at Anfield a few years ago, you'll remember. Uh, he is 27. He is very versatile. I'm not sure how good he is. I, like, He's a good player. I just I don't think he's an elite level player. Is he better than what we have? He'd be the fourth best midfielder if he arrived today. He's not as good as Thiago. He's not as good as Fab. He's not as good as Naby. What he is is more durable than all of them. So that would be a help. He had one great season. The 2021 season, he scored 13 goals. Last season, he didn't score at all in 40 games. Admittedly, he did play some games at right back, but still. Uh, the Frankie de Jong thing is of interest. And I know it seems like a very un-Liverpool thing to do. And he has, you know, very high wages and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But allegedly, he's willing to join Chelsea for significantly less money than he's on now. So if he's willing to join them, why wouldn't he be willing to join us? managed by Jurgen Klopp, who's going to be a bigger appeal than Thomas Tuchel. And his international captain plays for us as well. 
you could picture Frankie fitting in perfectly for us. Frankie on the left of the midfield three, Fabinho in the central role, and freeing Thiago to play on the right and go and be more attack-minded and really start to unpick defences. Um, the fee would be costly. You're talking £60 million-ish. But Barca are desperate. Desperate to move him on. They're desperate to make a few sales because they need to register Jules Kunde, and they need to get players off their books to do that. And it's all starting to look very well. No, no, it's not all starting to look. It's been messy at Barca for months now. And maybe we could sneak in and take advantage of that. And the thing with Frankie is Frankie doesn't stop you buying Jude next summer. And you can bring in Jude and develop him in rotation with Thiago on the right side. If you want to develop him on the left side, you can do that as well. Frankie would actually be a, a Jude... Fabinho, Frankie midfield long term could be incredible. Um, so yeah, Jude makes an awful lot of. Or Fra- uh, Jude, Jude does make sense, but the price is mad. Frankie makes a lot more sense than most people have given it credit for. We'll probably do nothing though, so you know, don't get your hopes up. On AnfieldIndex.com, two new articles. One entitled, Do Liverpool Need an Attacker? Uh, This was written by Samuel Sam Maguire. Um, I mean, it wouldn't do any harm. Certainly take one. Certainly take an attacker. At the minute, we've got five senior attackers. One of them is Bobby. Bobby should be leaving at the end of this season. So we will need a senior attacker in. And then you've got Fabio rounding it out to six, and then Cade Gordon is number seven. So yeah, we we and if we if we don't need it now, we will need it soon. So yes, we should be looking at attacking players, which is why this whole thing of pushing off the midfield till next summer is just so bizarre. Because come next summer, we will need three midfielders, one attacker. Potentially a centre-back, potentially a left-back, and potentially a backup goalkeeper. And you know it won't all happen, which means it'll all be kicked on down the road and Liverpool will pat themselves on the back because they think they're smarter than everybody else. All the while, they'll just be giving up trophies to other teams that we are more than capable of beating. Uh, I have a piece up as well. It's the good, the bad and the ugly from the United game. It uh, might not go down all that well with some people because I do take um, quite a pop at the uh, at the captain. I do. I, I just I, I've had enough. I have had enough. Um, there's nothing good. There was nothing good about the game. It was awful. There's a lot, a few bad things, and then a lot that was ugly. Uh, and most prominent in that was his performance and his attitude as well in the game was just shambolic. So yeah, that's there. You can read that if you want. Don't read it if you don't want. There is uh, the Under Pressure podcast uh, reviewing the United game. There's Rate Don't Hate, again, reviewing the United game, giving out the ratings. And then there is a scouted looking ahead to Bournemouth at the weekend. Uh, I mean, Carl had a, you know, a nice, a nice uh, tiff debating who should partner Fabinho if he went to 4 2 3 1. Carl laughed at one of my suggestions, which I just thought was rude. That's why I want Pulis watch back. Right, that's me. Take care. Bye-bye.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.